afternoon. It's Niall Boylan with you for the next hour or so. Don't forget, by the way, we would ask you on a regular basis to try and subscribe to our website at nileboylan.com so we can continue to provide this platform each and every day for you to have your opinions uncensored. Remember, it is a podcast. We're not on the radio, so you are uncensored. Uh, be careful what you say, obviously, uh, but you're uncensored. We won't silence anybody. The idea that we might silence somebody because we don't agree with their viewpoint is absolute and utter nonsense because somebody mentioned that on Twitter last week that we only allow people on who agree with me. That's complete and utter nonsense. I let people on who disagree with me all the time on a regular basis. Please support the show. Go to nileboylan.com. Also, can I also just say, because with all the noise that's happening around Garda Sheikhana and riots and left-wing and right-wing and free speech and... Uh, cameras and everything else that's been talked about, all the distractions that are going on, primarily from our own government, by the way. Can I just point out that there's a five-year-old lying in a bed somewhere with her family around in a critical condition, and our thoughts should be with that five-year-old and their family and their friends. And not only that five-year-old is in a critical condition, but also the school teacher, a crash worker, who's also in a serious condition and still serious, but stabilised in the hospital at the moment. And with all the other children who were there that day, they would be traumatized for life. Could you imagine as a child being five or six years of age in a little classroom being brought across the road to the Garden of Remembrance because I think that's where they were heading at the time and some man with a knife violently attacks you and all your friends. It would be a very traumatic event that you would remember for the rest of your lives. To all the families of all those children, our thoughts are with you all and that's where our thoughts should be and not on the distraction that the government are constantly putting out to, I suppose, label everybody or anybody who might want to have even a debate around immigration as being right-wing. It's complete and utter nonsense. I wanted to use an analogy in reference to it. For example, <clears throat> if we had all men were right-wing and all women were left-wing, but one night a group of men, a small group of men, out of millions decided to go out and set fire to buses and trams, that would be despicable, and it is despicable. But would you target all men and bring in laws for all men? Would you turn around and say that all men are wrong? No, you wouldn't. Of course not. So there's the suggestion that somebody who is on the opposing side to, I suppose, open border free immigration is, you know, a bad person is not true. It's completely untrue. It just means they have a different viewpoint to the ones who are all are welcome. So I think it's fair that we have a debate. We're now on a global stage. We're being talked about on every news station around the world. This is not good for Ireland because unfortunately a lot of those images are buses and loses on fire, which is being carried out by a very few amount, a very small amount of people, which are clearly scumbags. They're not the people who object to a free-for-all immigration policy. They're just lunatics. They don't represent anybody but themselves. And also, of course, Ireland's free speech or hate speech laws are also on a world stage, with most countries around the world condemning those laws. And it's time for Leo Varadkar to put his pride behind him and step up to the plate and realise and admit that these laws are Orwellian, authoritarian, and they've been condemned by most of the world, by most of the media in the world, as being ridiculous. He needs to backtrack, roll back and say, yes, we've rethought this. And the legislation that we already have is ample, although we can adjust it slightly for a social media world, and I get that. People should not be inciting violence online or inciting, telling people to go and do damage to others or hurt other people. Absolutely. That's already there in the legislation, by the way. We may need to update a little bit to include technology, but to suggest that you can't use hateful words, which is open to interpretation, is ridiculous. And we will be talking about the hate speech laws again very, very shortly. We have covered them a lot in the past. But part of what we were talking about over the last three or four days 
has been safety on the streets. And I was in town on Saturday. I had the pleasure of being in Grafton Street. It was a beautiful day, by the way, and Grafton Street was packed. It was wonderful to see so many people out shopping. But the one thing I did notice on Grafton Street on Saturday was the absolute increase in Garda presence, which made a huge difference. There was Garda on horses. There were two big vans up at the top towards Stevens Green. I must have counted at least five groups of two Garda from the ERU um, and regular rank and file walking up and down Grafton Street. I haven't seen that in such a long time. And I spoke to one guard and I asked him, how come they can do that then when it's needed, but they can't do it all the time? He said, because we have overtime. He said, because every guard is on overtime. And he says, they've more or less banned leave. But he said, they'll pull back on that next week or maybe in January when the Christmas period is over and there'll be a ban again on overtime or they won't take on as many people on overtime. They won't allow as much overtime. So we'll be back to square one again. So we have a problem when we have a shortage of Angarda Shikana and the streets are not safe. Which brings me to today's topic. Most uniformed members of Garda Shikana do not routinely carry a firearm, as you well know. But one of the only unarmed Garda or security services in the world. Individual Garda have been issued, you know, with batons, pepper sprays as their standard issue weapons, while handcuffs are provided as restraints. Now the teacher Leo Braga had said in the past, only last July, that he won't be suggesting the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, that we should be moving towards an armed force. But other politicians have said that we need to. There has been a focus on crime on the streets in Dublin. He said particularly after the attack at the time in July when he talked about the American tourist who was attacked in Tobas Street. And more so lately when we're seeing an increase in random attacks and random crime. Leo Varadkar said at the time in July that Ireland is relatively safe while stating that it is the wrong approach to tell people that certain areas are unsafe to walk in Arming a police force is a complex decision that involves various considerations. And some of those considerations, I suppose, when we look at the pros of it are arming the police force offers them tools to defend themselves rather than just a ham with some skin on it. Um, armed police officers can respond more effectively to situations where there's armed suspects, like a bank robbery, for example, potentially minimising the harm to civilians and law enforcement. I suppose they could also say the visible presence of armed officers may act as a deterrent to discourage crime and activity which contributes to the lack of public safety. But there are, of course, the cons. Arming the police officers increase the risk of firearms being used and misused, and we've seen that in the United States. It also means that those who do want to commit crimes will want to also have a gun as well because they realise the guards are armed. So there's pros and cons to it. Now, the argument is that we can't trust them. Now, in this country, you must be over the age of 14, 14 to apply for a training certificate for a firearm. If you're under 16 years of age, the application for the firearms training certificate must be accompanied by a written consent of an applicant's parent or guardian. 17 years of age, in the army, you can have a gun, but can't, uh, we can't give a gun to a heavily trained police officer because they would have to be trained. Psychological assessment will weed out the bad guards, I imagine, and ensure a more rigid police force, according to some experts. And there's no intellectual consistency to the rules and the way we handle the firearms in this country. If we can allow a child to obtain a firearm, which we do, and a 17-year-old in the army, then why not the Garda Shia So the question I'm asking today is, should we allow rank-and-file guards? We know the ERU are armed, we know detectives are armed, but they only make up a small amount of the whole force. So should we allow the rank-and-file guard to have a firearm, similar to Northern Ireland and the United Kingdom, for example? 
And I think it does make a difference. When I walk around the streets of Belfast, for example, because as you know, I'm there all the time, and I see rank and file have all their equipment, they have their baton, their pepper spray, their taser, their gun. It does make you think twice about committing a crime. Not that I'd be wanting to commit a crime, but it does put you on alert that if I do anything wrong here, he's going to produce that gun and I'm going to have a bullet in me. So it makes you think twice, the same in the streets of New York or in many countries around the world. But you also have to look at the downside. So do we want to go in that direction? And do you trust them? I want you to send us a text or a WhatsApp to 85 That's 85 There is no doubt we are living in a more dangerous Ireland. This is not the dancing at the crossroads Ireland that we knew back in the 1960s. This is the real Ireland. And this is only going to get worse. Random crimes are up. Assaults are up. Murders are up. Violent crime is up. So we must do something about it. So how do we secure the safety of the citizens? Let me know what you think. The number is 85 Let me go to John. John, hi, how are you? Afternoon, how are you? Good, just, John. Just before, I, just before I, I, I get into it, I think if the rank and file members of the, the main two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, had any backbone, they would silently call Varadkar to decide on Martin and tell them to, and McIntyre, and tell them to leave the stage now because they have lost the confidence of the Irish people one billion percent. They have also lost, because I know people within both parties, they have lost the confidence of the parties. Well, unfortunately, a lot of them are looking to their own back to know in the next government again, will I be a junior minister? Will I be a senior minister? It's all about them. They don't care about the Irish people. But the Garda Commissioner, McIntyre, Varadkar, and Michal Martin need to get off the stage now. They have all can we, can we, can we add Drew Harris to that list as well while we're at it? Yeah. Well, that's actually the yeah. commissioner. Yeah, yes. he's okay, got sorry. to go as well. They have yeah. lost the confidence. Like the Garda, you don't even trust the commissioner. So where the hell would you be going after that? So I mean, but the main political players, if you want to bring in health and housing and everything, I know the latest. Uh, what are we seeing played out on our street and what led to it? Right, I mean. They should be gone politically. They should be asked by members of their own party, please leave. Okay. Now, um, to get back to the Gardaí, right, yeah. as the guys arming them, uh, I would prefer to see more armed response units. I would not trust the army Gardaí on the street. I would give them the tasers. And again, be careful how we use the tasers. Like, I mean, if they're attacked themselves or if they have to, we say, burst up a violent encounter, yeah, that's Okay. But as a gal's given them a gun, I don't care what they have in Northern Ireland, I don't care what they have in other countries, I just wouldn't damn. Because if you give the girls guns, right, and they're going into certain areas, especially in Dublin and around the country there, we all know now, Neil, there was a time, there was a time when that, uh, if you wanted to get a gun, you'd have to be uh, subscribed to an organisation that was at war at the other side of the border. Right? Mm-hmm. They had the guns, right? But now we all know there's no problem getting guns. The drugs are coming in on a daily basis yeah, the, and the guns are coming but the in. But da- the danger is, you know, that we look at America and you see people being shot for no reason sometimes. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. A, a lot of black people, and we've seen that and we've seen those stories, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, when we look at Northern Ireland as an example, or the United Kingdom as an example, we don't see people being shot indiscriminately in Northern Ireland. You know, you don't, and I'm sure police officers have to go into the Falls Road and areas that would be considered working class areas or the Divis Flats or whatever it happens to be. And people are not being shot. 
you know, by accident or, you know, they're not kind of, they seem to obviously have psychological assessment for people, for the, the police, car, the PSNI who carry I, guns. I know, but there, there's, a different, there's a different mindset not of the border. As one guard, he said to me after work, he said, like, who doesn't have any con- confidence in the current uh, commissioner, he said that he comes from a different jurisdiction with a different mindset and a different policing setup. So let's concentrate. But, but John, when you have, and I'm, I'm with you to some degree, <laughs> there would have to be serious training and serious psychological assessment because there are, there are guards 100% of, out of 100% of rank and file, you know, 90% of them are decent uh, men and women who just want to get on with the job and do a good job. There are 10% who are head cases and, there's no, and the power has gone to their head and there's no doubt about that maybe. Now that's just a figure I'm making up 10%, right? But there's a percentage, but it's a small percent. And they would have to be weeded out when it comes to psychological assessment, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm saying is, when you have a situation that happened in Donegal, going back about two years ago there, where it was about a year ago, and some guy, you know, starts, you know, walking around the streets with a, you know, an automatic rifle, is shooting indiscriminately. And the first two guards who arrive at the scene, all they have is a nightstick and they're hiding behind a car because they don't want to put their own lives in danger apart from anything else. You can understand the need because the ERU are not going to get to every part of rural Ireland. I mean, if something happens no. in the middle of Cahirsavine or something like that, the ERU are not going to get there in time. The first guards on the scene, all they have is a nightstick, some pepper spray and a hand with skin on it. That's well, not much well, use. That's why, that, that's why I would have people assigned to every station, like, I mean, that, that would be armed, right? If you take Tony Golden up that, that time there when he went to that lady in, Drada, yeah. in, in distress, yeah. And he went to the door, like, I mean, it's immaterial like, that he had no gun because the minute the door opened, the man shot him dead. So whether he had a gun or not, they wouldn't have saved that guy's life, God rest him, right? Well, well, well yeah, but, but hold on, John. If, if he had a gun, he would be trained. They would also be trained in the use of avoiding being shot, which is obviously part of, you know, the, the Ireland that we now live in. Um, and, you know, with respect to, to Tony he may not have approached the door in the same way. He may have approached it differently. You know what I mean? You see the cops in America with a gun. When they approach a door, they're to the side. They kick the door in. They're to the side. They, they, they're trained to deal in those situations. Your average rank and file is not trained to deal in, the, in that. But maybe they should be now. Because if they are going to carry guns, they obviously have to be used to other people carrying guns too. Well, if you, if you remember the, the, the ramming of the SWAT cast, uh, uh, in Bali Fermage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine that night we'd say if the guards got out and they t- took out their guns? Because but they're not going to get out and take out their guns in that situation. But you don't know, you see, because like, what happened? Yeah, they're happens not. You, well, they, if, well, they're, they're badly open. trained, John. If they, if they stopped in Ballymona or Ballyferm and there was a load of kids around and they pull out their guns, that's bad training because it's unnecessary. But you, yeah, but you see, look, at the end of the day, you can have all the training in the world. We've seen that in America. Christ, these guys are trained. They're supposed to be going to academies and everything. And still... You see, they're shooting young people like I mean, when they're running away, sometimes in the back. But John, but John, we're arguing, you know, about something that we both agree on to some degree. Because what happened on Thursday uh, afternoon, that tragedy that happened on Thursday night, and what happened, you know, generally what happens in the streets when people say they feel unsafe, and we've seen an increase in random crimes, is because there isn't a guard of presence, and the guard of presence that is there is unarmed. I mean, you know yourself, when you're walking down the streets of Belfast and you see police with guns on them, the same in Spain or whatever it is, you'll think twice about acting the mick. But the, re- the reason you see that people don't act the mick is because they see the presence there, if they never had guns. But the trouble is here, you see, people see no presence. I mean, you see what's happening at the moment, oh, Dublin is saturated with guards, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and how many I've never seen so many, actually, that I've seen in Grafton Street yeah, the other day. You've highlighted in your programme many times 
uh, especially when the Dublin the tourist, uh, or the, the American tourists in Dublin got his eyes uh, uh, damaged and yeah. was blind of one eye for the rest of his life. Like, where were the guards at him? It was in every paper, every programme. Okay. Mr. Watson, okay. good, good afternoon. Had it the whole lot, everything good about a, good the afternoon. police, right? So, I mean, the thing is, like, how come all of a sudden, no? Because they know that they have to be seen to do something. Like, why wouldn't they do something all the time along? Okay, well, stay there, John, for a second, because I have a lot of people to get to, so I'm going to have to be very, very brief with most people, I'm afraid. Uh, Carla, hi, how are you? Hi there. Go ahead, Carla. Um, like, I would, I've, I'm 2,000% in favour of arming the guards. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's clear that, you know, <clears throat> the government really don't care about the citizens because all that's being proposed in like in my opinion and what i've heard is that they're proposing stuff like water cannons and to be brutally honest that's not a deterrent and some people would treat that as you know mm. a bit of fun and well, i don't know how much fun it would be to be hit with a water cannon it's very high pressure water i know but it's 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 not enough of a deterrent and you know <clears throat> um there it was said there that, you know, some guards wouldn't have, like, the experience or whatever. But if you look at the world of medicine, in order to qualify as a doctor, you have to do, like, several different rotations and several different disciplines in order to even qualify through medical school. So why aren't they being trained with firearms, Mm -hmm. you know, before they're even qualified as a guard? Because, you know, if you go in to be a doctor... You have to go through surgery. You have to go through like so many different rotations, and it's just it seems inadequate. And there's there's also there's also not enough guards, as was said. And I do believe that there there should they should be letting citizens arm themselves too. They should be letting citizens arm themselves. I think I think we should. Well, like we, America, we should, like we where should. we should have the constitution in the constitution, the right to bear arms. Now, well, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to live in the wild west, Carla, where everybody is carrying a gun around in their handbag or, you know, their back pocket or, you know, I I don't know if that works. Look at America, for example. It's a classic example of you know the right to bear arms, the right to own a gun. You know, there's more guns than there is people in America. I don't think I'd want to be in a country where I think the guy next to me on the street who I might have an argument with has a gun in his hand. Yeah, but do you look at the likes of, you know, women, you know, who are victims of sexual assault and stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, some women don't have the body power to fight off these yeah, and I recommend that all women, you know, if you're going out for walks, you know, and not that you should need to do it, but you should carry pepper spray. Yeah, now, and that's, mind you, pepper spray is still illegal. I know it's illegal. I know it's illegal, but but a lot of women do carry pepper spray. Yeah, but like st- stuff like what's been happening recently, like there would be a deterrent if the thugs out there knew that people could do something about it if they were attacked. Like there's, we have really nothing to protect ourselves with at all. And the guards, you know, there's not enough of them. They're not armed properly. And I remember watching the crime show about the the Dublin 15 guy, I think it was. Yeah. 
and even one of the was it one of the guards or someone on the program said that the criminals are armed better than the guardie. Like the guardie oh, have little Mickey yeah. Mouse guns. Yeah. And the criminals have like the creme de la creme of weapons. But like mm-hmm. you know, we've got to give them something to work with, some protection because it's just getting worse. Okay, well, do me a favour. Stay with me, Carla, if you can. Okay, Carla believes the guards should be armed. After all, the criminals have better guns than the guards. Absolutely, I believe that. Let me come to Joe just straight after this. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. But all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. All right, let me go to, stay there, Carla. Let me go to Joe. Joe, hi, how are you? I'm not too bad. Good afternoon. How Good. are you? I'll come to Brida and Jack in a second as well. Go ahead, Joe. What do you want to say? Yeah, well, uh, what happened the other day, Niall, was, a, was an absolute atrocity uh, on the state. Uh, my sincere condolences go to the, to the families of those people, you know, the children and the, the, the care worker. I hope they do recover because... Uh, I'm very fearful of what, what the repercussions could happen again if they don't survive, you know? Mm. I think it'll be I think it'll be even worse than what happened on Thursday night. I hope not. Um, I hope not. Well I hope well I hope Because I don't think achieves I, I, I don't think violence achieves anything. Well violence don't achieve anything. But you know and I know that that's, this was coming for a long, long time and if anyone said it wasn't they were deluded because this has been planned for Oh, no, it's been, it's been smouldering for a long, long time. I'm well aware of that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You're 100% right. Um, getting getting back to arm the guards, do you, do, would you trust them? I would be very doubtful about trusting them, Niall. Now, I have no problem with the police force in an emergency situation, but the only problem I would have in this country is that I, don't, I think they'd go trigger-happy. I think they wouldn't have the, the knowledge or the expertise to handle a situation like that. And if you remember, Niall, you'll, you'll probably remember that famous case, uh, I think it was back in 2000. Do you remember the case of John Carty? Yes, indeed, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, at the time, he had mental... He had mental illness. health problems, and it t- guards surrounded the house. There was no need That's to shoot right. him, and they shot him. That's right. That's what I'd be afraid of, that a situation like that could happen again. And now, I in fairness to John Carty, he did he did have a weapon. Um, it was unclear whether that, yeah. yeah, it was unclear whether he was going to use it or not. But he did actually have because he was a farmer or whatever it was, and he had a firearm. That's right. That's right. Like two hundred two thousand people in this country who have firearms. But so, but, do, yeah, yeah, but, the, but there is a better way of dealing not, with that situation. And there was also the situation yeah. in the Nace bank robbery, the Nace Thai bank robbery, where police That's arrived right. and armed police arrived, and they not only shot themselves, but they shot uh, they, they hit a citizen as well. They shot, did, yeah. they shot each other. That's right. But that's just so bad but that's I, just bad training, Joe. That has to be better. Yeah, well that's the thing to see, but do I think the guards in this country are capable of that of doing it right? Uh I would be very doubtful knowing. That's just my view. I think there would have to be uh, a rigorous uh training exercise in this country for this to happen. Carla Carla suggests that like America Everybody should be entitled to carry a firearm, including citizens well, as well. And by the way, I'm, I'm quoting here John uh, Robert A. Heenlan, and he says, an armed society is a polite society. Manners are good when uh, one may have to back up his acts with his life. In other words, 
having a gun puts people off even committing criminal activity. You know what I mean? When well, they know the repercussions I, could be losing your life. Yeah, exactly. But uh, in this country, in this day and age, would you trust uh, anybody using a gun in this country? I would be very doubtful because I think the most of the people in this country, not everybody, are complete head cases. Like, you know, there are a lot of angry people out there. And I, I mean, that, that's, that's a good point. Sorry, just to go back to Carla. Carla, if everybody was armed, what happened on Thursday night um, would have been a lot worse because clearly the people that were out on Thursday night setting fire to everything, they were head cases. Could you imagine if they had guns? I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but there's the guards are not armed to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at it from the perspective of like, personally, I've been the victim of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think, you know, there has there has to be more than the law provides. Okay, well, well stay there a second. Let me just go to Breda and I'm going to come to Jack then. Breda, hi, how are you? Hi, Brian. Or, hi, Niall, how are you? I'm good. I'm a Brian. Who's Brian? Sorry, no, I'm just <laughs> I was actually going to say hi to myself there. <laughs> you? Well, you've heard, you heard Carla. Not only does she believe the guards should be armed, but also she would have no issue with citizens being armed as well because we're at that point, maybe. No, 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 no. No, I mean, the worst thing we could do is arm everybody in this country. You only have to look at America. I mean, there, there, there are certain organisations trying to get the, the arms taken off people. I mean... If you'd had arms on, on Thursday night, people armed in Dublin, should there have been a bloodbath? You know, mm. I mean, I think the guard should be armed. And I think the other man has been very insulting to the guard of Shea to say that you couldn't trust them. They'll be trained. Like, every, like, I'm trained to do my job. I can't just decide I'm going to go out and work in a plane tomorrow. I have to do intensive But, but here's the thing. We, we don't have you working on a plane with no training and then suddenly decide to train you halfway through your career. And, and this exactly. is the danger because... When you look at Northern Ireland, United Kingdom, America, as soon as a guard goes into into the force at twenty whatever years of age, he's trained from that point the discipline to use a firearm. Whereas right. if we okay. introduce them now, you've got yeah. you know thirteen thousand guards who now suddenly have to be trained to use a firearm. They've already okay, had the discipline of not having one. Right, but then let's give them the taser. I think a taser is a very effective way of bringing somebody down, and you're not going to you're not going to do. Well, it, You're not going to a taser them. is useful, but only useful at short range. Very short range. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, but you're going to have to do, if, if they decide to bring in, in the, the guards being armed here, I mean, like, you only have to look at Spain, there was, as we were saying the other night, of a three-tier policing system. You see them, you would not step out of line because you know they're not going to take any crap off you and we'll be tied you if you do. Mm. We need to toughen up in this country. We need to say we're not, you know, we're, this behaviour is not being tolerated. So we have to do a two-tier system again that we have an armed section force and then we have the patrol force but maybe with tasers or pepper spray, something that they can at least like that poor man the other night when he surrounded us, at least if he'd had pepper spray half of them would have went scattering straight away and been in agony but the, you know there has to be something you know and, and I and I agree happen. with you and there are pros and cons to arming a police force we've been very lucky here in Ireland that we've avoided it up to now and I know Leo Rekker said recently that it wasn't on the table yet but yeah. when you look at an armed force 
The pros are, of course, it deters crime. The pros are that you arrive at the scene of, say, a bank robbery where the robbers are armed and you're armed, so that's good. You know, rather than just arriving, as I said earlier on, with a nightstick and some skin, which is pretty much useless to you when they're armed. But that the cons are, we've seen in America and we've seen in other countries where police are armed, that sometimes you can have police that are trigger happy. People get shot who shouldn't be shot. And and in fairness to Joe, he mentioned John Carthy. It's a very famous case here in Ireland where the man had mental health problems. He was probably at no stage going to shoot anybody. He was surrounded by the police and they shot him. It was unnecessary but to shoot him. But I'm sure, I'm sure, Niall, he was given every opportunity to put the firearm down. That's, not, do, the, like, that's not the point. That's not the point. He, it was, he was known in the area to have had mental health problems. There are ways, okay. if you're trained properly, there are ways to deal with those situations without actually shooting somebody to kill him. But, but, they but could have, I, if, you're, if you're trained, you know, you're a marksman, you can take him down without killing him. Yeah, they could have shot him in the leg or something. Or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But that all comes from training and that all comes from experience. So, I mean, they're probably going to have to try and um, bring in people from other forces around, maybe up the north, over in England, whatever, to train, you know, to show, to, to be the, the, the leader, the team leader of a team or whatever, and, you know, train them all up and, and explain situations to them. And, you know, it, it's... Unfortunately, it'll be life experience what most of them will, will learn from because that's what you do learn as you go on in life in a job. It's, it's situations happen and you say, oh, well, I could have maybe done that differently. You know, I know. So you have to aim not to kill, but aim to to just put them on the ground. Aim so. to maim, as they say. Well, okay. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah. Yeah. Well, stay, well, stay there for a second, Brida. Jack, hi. Brida agrees with arming the guards <clears throat> to some degree. Jack, would you agree with it? I... Fully. Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Oh, good. Nice uh, to talk to you, Jack. First time caller, but thanks very much. For I, pre- I appreciate you coming I, on. I, not at all. I was 100% listening to Breda there. His talking sense. Okay. Um, you go on the continent there. You go to France. You have the local police, and then you have the gendarmerie. You go to Spain. You have the local police. Then there's another form of police, and then there's the civil guard. Guard is civil, yeah. And over there, you don't step out of line. End of story, like. It, it, there's, there's none of this kind of... You, you watch these programmes on telly um, about Benidorm and Ben Medina and all this and the way the cops... If anyone's stepping out of line. Over here, the, the, the Gardaí... The morale in the Gardaí is at its lowest. And it's exactly right what you were saying about the whole attitude or approach to Gardaí training and all this kind of stuff about arming the Gardaí. Arming the Gardaí is not the answer. Uh, yes, to have backup for them and to have some form of... I mean, my view, my view was always on it. We have the army there being sent out to police around the world, around in Lebanon and all this. And they're sitting in, I'm not saying bring the army onto the streets, but to have some sort of backup, 100% backup, you, you can't, the, the streets of Dublin are, you talk to most people, I, I deal, I work in around near on public transport. Um, and the amount of anti-social behaviour now, the assaults on people on buses, on trains, uh, in the streets, it's just got out of hand now. And yes, if the guards do bring somebody to court, they're out the next day. Mm-hmm. The whole system needs to be, it's not just about arming the guards, it's about the whole system needs to be... Uh, Stripped down and uh, start again, yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're dealing with laws going back to the 19th century. 
No, no, and, and I do get what you're saying and you know we're working yeah. with the general public as you do and public transport yeah. is obviously becoming yeah. a more yeah. dangerous job and well, we've seen that over the years yeah. where drivers are now in glass cages essentially oh, absolutely and, and, and not alone that, that, that that's not that, that's not deterring like the other night one of uh, the lads in Dublin bus they tore the uh, the glass cage down which they're not supposed to be able to do they took away the whole protective screen you know that's terrible and it's, you talk to lads in Irish Rail and the, the DART and the uh, commuter trains now, anti-social behaviour is off the scale. If, if the union's talking about this and talking, nobody's listening to that. No, the government aren't. What do the government be doing about legislation? I have I've friends and, and relations in the guards and they're telling themselves, morale is so down on the floor. It's just because they, they come up in front of a judge. Next of all, there's a lawyer there or a solicitor there. Your man's out and he's and he giving the two fingers to the guys that just after arresting him. Oh, uh, yeah, Your Honour, he's had a bad background. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the social worker. Everything is. And yet the victim of the crime is left there going, scratching the head, going. I mean, they say, I heard Helen McEntee, oh, they'll face the full rigours of justice. But the reason that the only people who should face justice is the victims. Yeah. Not the. Yeah. Not, not the. The, the, the scrouts are going to use the word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you I, mean? I don't want to go into too much detail, but you had a personal experience yourself where you were assaulted. Absolutely. Earlier I, in the summer, I was, yeah. I was violently beaten up. And I've had no, nothing. I've had very good assistance from the company I work with. Yeah. But no, nothing. Your man, as far as I know, your man had been out. He, he had done numerous um, assaults. He'd actually assaulted two Gardaí up near where it, it, my assault happened. And, and, and just, just, I don't want to, don't tell us where it was, but, no, but no, it was no, a, no. but it was a populated area. Absolutely. And, and yeah, yeah. three people rang 999 uh, and nobody turned up. 899 calls made and nobody turned up. Oh, oh my God. 899, people were around calling 899 calls. Mm. And nobody came to and, help you. And initially, um, a friend of mine brought, had to drive me up to the, the station question and he came out and he said look we're, we're understaffed We've, we haven't got them so, you, so you're doing your job serving the public and public transport you're getting beaten up on the, uh, in your job yeah 15 minutes job. And, the pass- and the passengers are ringing the police yeah. saying look are ringing the guardie 8999 8999 calls were made because it was on the record I inquired and nobody and, sh- and nobody showed up to help no. you but, no, that, no, but no. that's see, we wouldn't even be talking about guns if if that situation no. doesn't happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you can blame yeah. Alan Shatter for that, by the way. Probably, I mean, Absolutely. he's the one who clo- he's the one who closed down a load of guard stations. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's not, and I don't blame the guard. I you hear people say, "Oh, but sure, if they haven't got the people or the, the to or, a car, or a I car mean, to get saying, to you." <laughs> yeah, you're saying now thirteen thousand guards. If you were to look into the amount of guards that are behind desks. Out sick on holidays, you're talking about probably only around nine thousand guards, and then how many are on duty each uh, each shift? And by the way, how are you now, Jack? Are you okay? Did you recover all right? Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, huh. I'm kind of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lo- I'm looking at um, retiring now, you know, because the, 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 and even since I'm going to say it now, since the COVID, since the COVID thing, it's gone off though, and it's not just me saying it. The aggression on the road now, I seen this. You see it now. There was a woman on earlier talking about giving guns to people or letting people have guns. No. 
Not in a million years, because I've seen it at traffic lights, people getting out. Having a go at each other. Yeah, could you imagine they start shooting each other? You know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be in. I certainly wouldn't be of the opinion that we should be allowing citizens. Although there are two hundred and two thousand registered guns in this country, mainly all farmers, by the way. More for hunting and yeah, hunting like and farmers. And well, do, do me a favor, both of you. Hang on, because I have to get through calls very quickly here. But say they're both of you, Jack and Breeder. Let me just go to Jackie as well. Jackie, hi. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm great. And listening, listening to your two callers there, and, and they're a hundred percent correct. And I was, I was looking up just in relation to the Garda station closures. Um, you're looking at 139 stations, okay, mm. that were closed down around the... Uh, I don't know why there's music playing there. Sorry, uh, somebody's playing music there. Hold on a second. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure whether... Jackie, I think there's music playing on your line there. I think maybe your Spotify or something has gone off. I do apologise. Yeah. Anyway, um, go ahead. Sorry, say it again. Yeah, hundred and thirty. Sorry, was yeah. that what was that? Your Spotify or something, wasn't it? I don't know. It just started <laughs> happening. But at hundred and thirty nine um, stations closed, right? Yeah. yeah. And I remember a piece being done on the Irish Examiner by Cormac O'Keefe, and he made a very good point, and I have it written here. We believe that these closures broke the link with communities, reduced visibility, and diminished. Uh, service to the many communities communities that they served. And then there was a promise of more patrolling and smart policing, which never materialized. That sums it up. Because, it, you know, if you go back, we had a, an, an amazing rail system in Ireland, you know, when you go back to the 50s mm. and that. And that was, take, that was stripped down. We had an amazing police force that we had community policing that you had a guard or two guards in every community that knew exactly what was going on. If there was a guy getting out of, you know, in trouble, he would call to the house and he'd have a discussion with the parents. You know, the, um, the health service, we had, okay, we had nuns running the hospitals. Those hospitals were ran so well, going back. And every part of our society is being ripped down. You, you see what happened in Dublin? Like it, now, a, a point I was making to your researcher, if, if you have the ploughing championship, you will see the enormous amount of guards. It's incredible the amount of policing that was around the ploughing championship. Yeah, but it's all overtime. The same, the same I said to you, I was in Grafton Street on Saturday. I've never seen so many guards in my life because obviously there was a high visible presence after what happened on Thursday. But that's all overtime. Yeah, but then, so is it, it's down to money. Is this down to money? Well, no, well, no, well it's down, yeah, and down to manpower as well, because you, you know, you can recruit people in on overtime for a weekend, but you can't do it every weekend, or you can't do it every Friday or every Saturday or whatever it is. So there's a limit to how many hours people can work. Yeah, but then say you have, say if I go locally and, 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 yeah. that, and say, uh, Portumna closes down here at a certain time and Loch Ray takes over. That means there's two vehicles here that are sitting uh, with no one, you know, mm. kind of not being used. Now, what happens but what, is... But, why, but Jackie, sorry for interrupting you because I, I've got to get to a lot of people. But think about this. Why are there vehicles not being used? Because in, in most other countries in the world, including the United States, for example, every police officer has his own car. 
You know what I mean? And like the idea that, you know, like you take, say, Swords Garda Station at one stage, gone back a few years ago, and Swords, Swords was the, uh, the, the fastest growing population in the country as part of Dublin, right? A suburb. And there was two Garda cars in a police station with 250,000 people or something like that. It was ridiculous. Swords is a bigger population than Limerick. And yet you had two Garda cars and you'd ring them up and say, you know, can you come? There's a problem here or whatever, or there's an accident there. Oh, we can't. The two cars are out at the moment. Or one of them is out, the other one's broke down. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we're not a third world country. We keep going on about the extra, the, you know, the, the money that we've made this year for multinational companies. We have an extra eight billion in the pot somewhere. Spend it. Improve the country. Improve, improve the health service. Improve the Garda Shea economy. Improve everything. But we just don't yeah. seem to want to spend the money to improve it. I mean, there is no doubt the streets are not as safe as they used to be. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that one out. No. We've seen that over the last few months. Okay, so getting back to the original argument, is it time, because we've avoided this for decades, is it time to arm the guards? Like most no. of the countries in the world. No, absolutely. I, w I, I think we have a really good police force there. We have a really good armed response uh, unit there. Increase the armed response unit, but keep our guards unarmed. Otherwise, they are serious targets. Ser you know, it, it just becomes a different issue, and we're going back to the U back to America with this. So, no, I, I totally would. Well, see, America is not. It's not I suppose it's not fair to use America exa as an example because <laughs> the in America the citizens are armed as well, which makes the whole thing very. Yeah. You know, anybody to be honest with you, if I'm a police officer in America and I'm stopping someone in a car, I'm going to assume they have a gun in the glove box. You know, so the, it's always a different situation. But let's take Northern Ireland and use that as an example. The PSNI are armed. And they don't go around shooting innocent people. No, they don't. But again, we, we, had a, we have a, a police force going back through the years that was, you know, that we had nothing like this before. I know you're going to say about population and all this, but as such, they were respected. You know, they um, they were aimed to deal with issues before they were becoming really big issues, and and that was done through communities, community policing. That has gone. The the police forces become faceless because they're stuck behind death. And I agree with you when it comes to community policing, and we need a lot more of that to nip it in the bud when these kids are thirteen and fourteen years of age, so they don't grow up to be nineteen-year-old scumbags, right? But the problem is, we have a changing society. We have a more diverse society. We have different people from different backgrounds and different cultures. We have a city now where we have more and more random attacks, both on women and men, uh, on the street, people using knives or using weapons or whatever it happens to be. And we have guards who firstly have a low response time, and that's not their fault, but they also arrive at the scene where somebody might have a gun, might have a knife, and they have nothing but a nightstick. Now, the ERU can't be everywhere. I mean, the, the, you know, if there's an event, the ERU will be there. But we're not going to have enough ERU to have them in every police station in rural Ireland, et cetera, et cetera. So is it not time that, you know, they all had a firearm? And, but, but there would be very surely, strict protocol around using it, obviously. Yeah, but surely, you know, surely there could be two in every police station. There'd be one or two armed response people there. Okay, well, do me, stay there for a second, Jack, if you can. Let me go to Claire. Sorry, you've been waiting for ages. Sorry, Claire, I do apologise. Claire, hi. You're, you're, hi, hi, nice. How are you? Good, nice to talk to you, Claire. I mean, you've, you've heard Jackie. Indeed. She would prefer to see maybe some armed response units in each police station or guard station. Yeah, I was just in 
to Jackie's point, and I definitely agree because I I do think it's time to arm the guards because as it is, like, I mean, with everything that's going on at the moment and around the world, people just don't seem to have that fear or respect of any kind of authority anymore. But, like, I don't think your average rank and file that say just qualified, I don't think they should be armed. I definitely think maybe they should go through rigorous training, continuous professional development, and then maybe somebody like their partner that they go in the car with or whatever, they're armed. And, you know what I mean, maybe under supervision, almost like kind of a learner uh, novice situation, like with the cars, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, but I, I, you know, but I, I obviously, you know, nobody wants to see guys walking around with guns. But unfortunately, everywhere you go in the world, I was in Tenerife there in September, there was, armed police everywhere, on yep. bicycles, on foot, in cars, and I mean now, like machine guns, not even just oh, yeah. handguns. Uh, uh, <laughs> semi-automatic rifles, yes, absolutely. And but yeah, Can I ask and, you, so when, when you you're know, walking down a street and you see a police officer and he's got a semi-automatic on his side or hanging from his, his hip or around his neck or whatever it is he has it, do you feel safer? Well, I, at first I was a bit like, oh my God, is there something going on here? Because, because it's new to us. Kind of, yeah. yeah, and then I thought, well, I suppose at least they're keeping an eye on things. Because like where I was, was obviously Tenerife was a big holiday spot. It was absolutely so many people like, you know, try and get into a shop or anything. The queues were crazy. So I think they were just keeping an eye on everything. And there was a lot of um, kind of stalls, people selling things. And then I'd actually been warned by the hotel reception that there was a lot of pickpocketing going on. So I thought maybe they're around kind of for fear into people if they did have an idea of robbing people mm-hmm. or stalking people or, or harassing tourists, whatever. And like I had my partner and my young baby with me. So to be honest, I was like, oh, well, you know, they're on top of things. But at first I was like, oh, my God, because I'd never I know. Yeah, it's unusual like to see that. Yeah. Life. yeah. Yeah. Other than I saw maybe a couple of times the army outside a bank with a, like a secure van with cash or something. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, I'd never seen one or maybe in a, you know, a video game or something. I was like, yeah. oh my God, you know, it's real life action man. Because I, I know, because I, I spend most of my time in Northern Ireland. I'm, when I'm walking around and I see the PSNI armed all the time, I just, I feel that I feel, you feel a bit safer because you say to yourself, well, no one's going to act the fool in the middle of this street with these two standing here with exactly. a gun in their hand. And, and you know, Jackie, for Claire, you know, maybe she did feel a bit safer because she thought, well, they're here for a reason. You know, they have those guns for a reason, just in case somebody does something that they shouldn't. Yeah, but if, if, exactly. if I was, say, in Temple Bar walking around and I saw, like, uh, like two guards they were walking with their heart and arms uh, and every corner that I go to, I might see another couple. Of, I'd feel safe that a presence is there. We have no guarded presence in, in Dublin Central. And I'm not just even talking about, say, in Dublin, but I travel the country, you know, and I go up to the north as well. I've never seen the, the, the amount, the lack of Gardaí in towns and and one mm-hmm. time and you remember going back you would get stopped if you were going on a journey to say for a couple hours you would get probably stopped once at a checkpoint yeah somewhere i haven't i haven't seen a checkpoint in years yeah yes and why is that why is it a case because that's where you find you know you, you're able to kind of find these guys who are either drug dealers well now check well, well, hold on go back getting back to your checkpoints Checkpoints were very Irish things, to be honest with you. There were very rarely checkpoints in the United Kingdom. Um, there were very rarely checkpoints. You know, I've never seen a checkpoint. Now that years I've been driving in America, I've never seen a checkpoint. 
So checkpoints were a very Irish thing, and they were done primarily for revenue to make sure cars were taxed. Now we know that system is different. You can't avoid paying the tax now because you have to do it online and, and you can't avoid, you know the way people used to win and get stamped in the guard station and all that kind of carry on. That's all gone. So they have no reason to stop people for tax anymore because everybody has to pay the tax of the guard. It was mainly for revenue they were stopping people in cars. And, and why do you think, you know, you're one of your, your um, speakers there was saying about the way people are the driving at the minute and, and the complete... Um, aggression that's on the road. No, 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 I know. I know and I do understand that. But do me a favor, stay with there both of you for a second. I'm gonna to come tomorrow now, but just before I do that. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. Yet all through his life they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. Uh, just to mention as well, we did do a Twitter poll on this earlier on too. And uh, let me just have a look at the results, the update on the results of it. And we asked a simple question, should the Garda Sheikhana be armed? And 65% said no, and 26% said yes. So it seems people don't really trust them. Anyway, let me go to Morris if I can. Morris, hi, how are you? How are you doing? You all right? I'm good. And Morris, just before we start, by the way, it was just mentioned to me that a good friend of yours passed away. I'm very sorry. And my condolences to you and his family and all his friends. Quite a young man. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough one. Yeah, 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 definitely. One of the good ones, Mike, you know. Terrible. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he loved the show. He'd be always listening in when he was walking and he'd, he'd hear me on and that, you know. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give him a good send-off on Friday. Yeah. Okay. Um, being an ex-serviceman uh, in the Army and having Gardaí in my family as well, we're a military family. We've served the state in both the Gardaí and in the Army Defence Forces. I've been around guns, and I was stopped in the north a couple of times going across the border by British soldiers. In the day, yeah. Going at you in the car, yeah, and the RUC when they were around, and you had your own experience where the gun was pulled on you up there. That's right, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember that, and you were following it up, and I listened intently to it. And what I wouldn't wouldn't have the guards out on the beat with guns on their hips here. I don't think we're a state that needs that yet. If we're going to head there, I remember when the guards were on the street, the ERU and the GRU, Garda response unit and the emergency response unit. And it was mostly, if you think back, Black Friday and, and robberies all over the place on a Friday in Dublin. Yeah, They were hitting cash vans and they were hitting premises and getting deliveries, you know, so that was the response. Um, I don't think I'd like to see what I see going on in America with uh, a car pulling up and he has weapons like as if he's in the Mad Max film. They're really chilled up in that in that country for disasters and, like you said, mass shootings. Um, I think we're an example to the rest of Europe that you can't police a, a country without guns on your hip. But we do need emergency response units for the state was under threat. Yeah, but Morris, listening to people, and I listened to Claire there a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah she was talking about yeah. when she was in Tenerife, and everybody has that big experience of being in Spain, and you see the guards mm -hmm. go around, and that's not just a handgun yeah. they have, they have them over their shoulders, they're semi-automatic weapons, right? And, yeah. you know, she even said it herself, that it makes you feel somewhat safer. And I, I said the same thing about Northern Ireland, even though it's just a handgun on their, on their side, that it makes yeah. you feel a bit safer knowing that if anything happens, there's a police officer just here and he has a gun in his hand. Same when I was walking through Times Square many years ago in New York, not too long after 9-11, and there was police mm. everywhere with automatic rifles. And I'm going, it yeah. makes you feel safer. It does make you feel safer. 
And I, I think yeah. you're, you're less likely to see crime. Now, it could be wrong, but according yeah, to statistics, it, it does act as a deterrent. Yeah. It can be visible, okay? When you see the police out on the streets doing checkpoints when they're looking for somebody or they're in an area, like you said, doing checkpoints for revenue and you see the guards with the gun, you say, well, they're well chilled up and we've had a couple of incidents in Dublin. Um, I didn't feel safe in Muir Street. I was in there with my wife and myself and my son. Kevin has special needs. He's 26. And I looked around and I didn't like what I was seeing going on in there. And I said, come on, we're going home. And I'm an ex-military man and I love my city and I love my country. But I did not feel safe in my own city. Mm. Would a gun do any deterrent now? Because the city's been taken over. The city's not being run by the guards anymore. There's different people have different agendas in the whole of Dublin ever since COVID. They've taken over and you've seen them on the streets last Thursday. And they those, have those people on the streets last Thursday, they don't have an agenda. Mm. They have no political agenda. They don't have a no, mandate for anybody. Of... The only agenda they have is to cause trouble. Oh, it's an agenda, hey. Well, we it was, yeah, absolutely. We're here. We're and they not don't, wait, they're, they're not, they're not. Show you what we can do. Those yeah. individuals out on the streets on Thursday night that were wrecking the place, they're not right wing. They're not left wing. They're not anything. They're not mm. politicized anyway. They're just scum. Anybody exactly. who sets fire to a bus to or a taxi guard or loots exactly. a shop or whatever, you know, yeah. they're, they're not they're not doing it for any political reasons. They're did morons. You, did you see the coverage of those, the guard sergeant that was surrounded by about 10 or 15 of them and they were having a go at him in O'Connell Street? Now, if they'd have got him on the ground, he was... Yeah, this is the fellow that was, he was trying to get away and they were throwing things at him and all sorts of things, yeah. Yes. Awful. The guard sergeant, he was a sergeant, yeah. I felt, I felt so sorry for the chap. I felt really sorry I for know. him when I saw the video. I hope he's okay. And like I said, they attacked him, they attacked him like a pack of wolves. They Absolutely. Take him on one on one. And every single one of them yeah. had balaclavas on our scarves over their faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they're only chickens. Yeah. But the only thing is, that, that situation, if that guard had had a gun on his hip and he was knocked out, they had access to that gun. And we didn't have a guard more than But you could also argue, Morgan. you could also argue, if that guard had mm. had a gun on his hip, he would take it out and go... Step back, near him. and they wouldn't have went yeah, near him. They, yeah, yeah. And then the other case was there was a guard murdered up in Castle Bar last year when his gun was taken off him and it was used on him. But and again, that to... comes down to training. That would have to come down oh, to training. Yeah. And this is the end of part one of the show. Don't forget, if you want to catch the second part of the show, go back to the website and look for part two because it's been a long show today, so we had to split it into two. So go finish this part, go back to the website. And you will see part two. Just click on it, download it, and watch the rest of the show. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. 